Praise the Lord, everyone. Boy, oh boy, we're having a good time in church today, aren't we? Whoa, somebody, Ken's excited, thank God. We had a great time this morning. Uh, This is my favorite lesson to teach during the Blessed Life series. Um, We had a lot of fun this morning during our first service, so so just keep in mind we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, Pastor Mike did a fantastic job last week teaching us on the principle of first fruits and uh, what an incredible job he did. Um, you know, he even had his, his computer. You, you didn't get to see it in the first service last week. His computer froze on him. And so he had to, he had to adjust real quick and call an audible. And, and he even got through that um, seamlessly. And so congratulations to him. But it's an honor to be able to be in front of you all today. Um, I, I always count it a high honor to be able to address the people of the Lord. Um, make sure that I, uh, I spend time in prayer, that I would guard my words and guard my thoughts, and that God would just flow through me, because I don't want to mess anything up um, because of how much He loves you. And so with that being said, I'd like to go ahead and read a few verses in Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. Before I get started, if... If I were to ask you, would you want the blessing of God on your finances in such a way to where it would multiply, what would you say? Would that be okay with you? You want your finances to... We're not talking about adding. You know our God's a God of multiplication. And so we're going to dive into this thing and see what the Scripture has to say about multiplication. Luke chapter 9, verse 12. And when the day had begun to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and the country round about, and lodge, and get victuals. For we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For there were about five thousand men. I'd like to stop there. Because this story is what is referred to as Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay? That's the number we associate with this. But during the time that this was written, um, it says 5,000 men. You see, in that culture, how they counted crowds was not with individual people. It was every man that was represented there represented their family. And so we know back in the Bible days, you'd have a husband and a wife, and they'd have a whole pile of kids. You know, the only the only people among us that could compete with that is maybe Andrew Hill. He got a whole pile of kids. And so think about that. Five thousand families were represented here. And so if each man had a wife and each family had two kids at minimum, two kids, there's, there's at least 20,000 people. In fact, most theologians believe this is the largest crowd that Jesus ever spoke to. So you can call it Jesus feeding the 5,000. That's perfectly fine. Just know that the 5,000 is 5,000 families and not 5,000 individuals. And He said unto His disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. I did the math earlier. 50s for 20,000, that's 400 groups 
of 50. It's a huge crowd. And they did so, and they made them all sit down. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and all were filled. And there was taken up fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and just kind of dive in a little bit into the story. A, a lot of times we can read a, a verse or a story and it's just like, oh, well, that was kind of cool. But there were, there's things in between verses that oftentimes we overlook or we don't think in depth enough. So a lot of times what I'm doing, what I'll do is when I'm reading a story, I'll, I'll pretend that I'm there. Is that okay? Like what must it have been like to, to be on the shore of the Red Sea and have Pharaoh's army chasing you down and feeling trapped and feeling hopeless only to watch God make a road through a sea. Like, what must that have felt like? And so, imagine those stories when, when Goliath is mocking Israel and, and challenging them, and, and all of a sudden you see this, this small guy run out with a slingshot, and you're saying, oh, we're done. We're in trouble. And, and only to watch... David slay Goliath. What would that feel like to go from terror to, to overjoyed? And, and so I like to dive in a little bit. And that's what we're going to do with these verses that I read. Um, we're going to go ahead and make this like, like, like a personal story. Pretend that you are there in this story. Okay? And so here we have the disciples. A group of people that are very familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures and they, they know the prophecies about the Messiah. And here they have this guy, Jesus. And he is, he's a very good candidate for Messiah. In fact, he has, he has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. Um, he walked on water. And, and that one was just a bonus. It's not even prophesied in the Old Testament that Messiah would walk on water. God just kind of did it and threw it in just to let us know he's greater than what's written about him. It's, it's like a bonus, okay? So you've got the disciples, and they're here, and they've got their guest speaker, Jesus of Nazareth. And there's 20,000 people, minimum, represented in the crowd. And, and Pastor Draylon's already been up, and, and they, had a good, they had a good song service. They had a great worship service, and they're, they're right on track for their time schedule. And Jesus gets up, and He starts preaching. And He starts teaching the people. And he, and he continues, and he goes on, and he goes on, and he goes on, and he says, give me five more minutes. Give me and he does that about 50 times. And for anybody who's been in church any length of time, when a preacher says, give me five more minutes, it's not five more minutes. It's more like 15 to 20 if, if they don't have the Holy Ghost start moving. And so... He preaches, and the next thing you know, they went from a morning service to an afternoon service. And, and one o'clock rolls by. Two o'clock goes by. Three o'clock. Four o'clock. And I'm not exaggerating here, because in verse 12, it starts out, it says, and when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? And when the day began to wear away. I've got no clue. <laughs> It, it just means that he was preaching long. In fact, most likely the sun's going down. Can you imagine? Now remember, you're here. You're in the story. And, and, and you got this guy that's speaking. 
Can you imagine if it were if it were seven o'clock tonight and I'm still up here talking to you? How many stand? <laughs> Got my man Tony. He's staying. My sweetheart would still be here. Bless you. All right. But that's what's going on here when the day began to wear away. And so you've got the disciples. And, you know, if we had a guest speaker, Pastor Mike, and they kept talking and talking and talking and talking, and we're saying, oh, my Lord, have mercy. We, we got to do something, right? So we would, what do we do in churches? We form, we form a committee. And so that's what we did. That's what we did. So here we go. We've got the disciples. I need some disciples here. Who's going to be my disciple? Matt Olson? Listen, you're not safe in the back row. I need you up here. Tony, we can have Ken. Come on up here, Ken. Matt, you can't come up? Matt Olson, everybody. The reason why... Come on up here right behind me. The reason why I picked this guy in the mid-90s in our Easter play, this was a disciple. We've come full circle. Here we go. Here we go. All right, just line up behind me. Okay, so picture yourself being there. We've got a guy that is, let's just call Jesus long-winded, all right? And we're kind of in charge of the service and what's going on, and we start talking to our committee, and we say, guys, we got a problem. This dude's going long. Do you know what time it is? Do you see the sun going down over there? What are we going to do? If I don't get something to eat... I'm going to die. I will literally die if I don't get something to eat. So the other disciple says, you know what? That's it. That's it. He seems to care a lot about the people. Amen. Not so much about us, but he loves the people. Amen. And so what, what we need to do, we'll tell them that the people are hungry. That the people are hungry and he'll have to dismiss the service, right? It's a good plan. All right, now you like it. Good. We got to come up with the spokesperson. Who's going to go ahead and talk to the boss? Let's do paper, rock, scissors. Here we go. Okay, I lose. Okay, story of my life, right? All right, I'm going to go talk, and then we'll be good to go. And so one of the disciples comes back, and he says, um, excuse me. Boss, excuse me. Now listen, this is the inference in Scripture that he was still speaking when they came to him. He wasn't done yet. They interrupted what he was doing. Excuse me, boss. Hey, hey, boss. Yes, hi. Excuse me, everyone. Just a sec. Just a sec. Hey, boss. Um, listen, I love what you're doing. This is, this is fantastic. In fact, you preaching all of the Blessed Life series in one day? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I was just telling the guys, you know, me and the guys, we could go all night. We really could. It's so good. But Lord, you know, listen, the people, the people are hungry. It's been a long day. I mean, Lord, look at them. They're hungry. You know, we got to, we're thinking the best thing to do is to go ahead and dismiss the service. That way the people can go get something to eat. So you want me to you want me to stop because the the people are hungry. Yes, Lord. Yes, it's the people. The people are hungry. Okay, well, you give them something to eat. Come again. Excuse excuse me. There's 20,000 plus people. 
And the disciples say, Lord, the people are hungry. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. So now here's the problem. It didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. And so what happens? You got to go face the committee where you just got sent from. And you got to go tell them the bad news that this didn't work. So they say, hey, how'd it go? How'd it go? Is he going to dismiss the service? You know, what, what, what did we come up with? And I said, you know, no, no, he didn't. Well, what did he say? What did he say? Give them. He, says, he said for us to give them something to eat. What do you mean he said for us to give them something to eat? There's no way we got, we don't have any food. There's no way. What are we going to do? Just thinking to start cooking something for 20,000 people? There's no way we can give them something to eat. And just then, just picture it, just then. A young boy sneaking in from town, walking, walking in with a Long John Silver sack. Okay? And Peter, Peter, we know Peter's the rock, right? Grabs, grabs the sack, opens it up, looks in there, takes one of the rolls and starts munching on the roll. James says, no, Peter, Peter, stop. You can't, you can't do that. This is all we have. This is it. We don't have any more. And one of the disciples said, you know what? That's it. This is all we have. Once we show the Lord that this, two fish, five loaves, this is all we have. Once we show that to the Lord, He'll have to dismiss the service, right? Doesn't that make sense? You're looking at this crowd and you're saying, God told us to feed them. All we have is this, two fish, five loaves. There's no way He can possibly Except the fact that this amount of food is going to feed this amount of people. And so they think they got them again. And so the elected spokesperson goes back to the Lord. Excuse me, Lord. Hi, excuse me. Yeah, so good, Lord. In fact, we were listening to you back there. And uh, we're so impressed with what you're doing right now. And, uh, you know, I know you told us that we needed to find something for them to eat. And God, you know, we've been working on it. We've been working really, really hard on it. And um, this is what we've got. We've got two fish and almost five rolls. Lord, Lord Peter ate some. And so, so that's what you have. Two fish, five loaves. Peter ate some. I know how Peter can be. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yes, Lord. So we're, we're thinking because that's all we have. Um, that we should go with our first, go with our first idea, and um, just wrap it up, wrap it up. That's all you have. Yes, Lord, that's it. That's all we have. That'll work. Get them in groups of fifty. Excuse me. Come, come again, Lord. Lord, this is all we have. Yeah, that'll work. That's good. Get them in groups of fifty. Imagine now the disciple that has to go back to the committee and say, he wants us to start dividing the people in groups of 50 to feed them two fish and five loaves. Can you imagine what that guy must have been feeling? So I got to go face the committee now. And I'm going back. Well, what did he say? Is he going to dismiss the service now? You know, he couldn't possibly keep going now, Right. No, that's not what he said. Well, what did he say? What did he say? He wants us to get in groups of 50. You believe that? 
I don't know what in the world we're going to do. I, I, nevertheless, it's what he wants us to do. So what we're going to do, we're going to start getting people into groups of 50. And, and listen, the disciples were Jewish believers. They understood the Old Testament. Now, there's a story in 2 Kings about Elisha. And Elisha actually fed at one time 100 men with 20 loaves of bread. And when this happened, the miracle actually multiplied the bread and they were able to see it. And these guys would have known that story because they're Old Testament scholars and Jewish believers. Okay, And so I think, just imagine here, one of them remembers, yes, I, I think I know what's going to happen here, guys. You're Peter. I think I know what's going to happen. You remember that story in 2 Kings where Elisha prayed and fed the men with that bread and it multiplied? I think I know what's going to happen because a, a greater than Elisha is here, right? And so I think when he prays for over the food and when he blesses it, I think it's going to grow. I think it's just going to multiply. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to go ahead I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Hey, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, boss. Master, master, Jesus. Hey, um, I want you to pray over my food. Pray, pray over this first. I want you to, to pray over that. And so the Lord, this is, this is what we read. The Lord in, in verse 16, it says, He took the loaves, He looked up to heaven, and He prayed a prayer blessing. He said, Father, bless it. And He gives it back to the disciples. You want to pray again? <laughs> it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. In fact, nothing happened except the food was now blessed. So then they take the food. And as this is just what I imagine, they, they, they take the food. And Peter, not going the way he thought this was going to go, he walks up to the someone, first person, and he says, just take a little piece. Just a little piece. A little piece. Come on. A little piece, I said. And when they get down to the end, the next thing you know, they have plenty. And so the miracle of multiplication, it did not happen. Thank you, guys. It did not happen in the hands of of the of the master it happened in the hands of the disciples and so the miracle of multiplication has two principles one if you want something to multiply it has to have the blessing of god on it number one number one and so we learned last week, how are our finances blessed? How, how, is that, that whole, how does that whole thing work? It's what Pastor Mike taught us. It's the principle of first fruits and the tithing. When, when you bring unto God what He said was His, He said it was mine, it belongs to me, and we return it unto Him with understanding, and it's the first. The first is the, is the principle of it all. When we do that, Malachi says, now the blessing of God is on your finances. Listen, tithing doesn't make sense. It does not make sense that you give 10% back to God and that you're going to be more blessed. 
with less. But it requires obedience and faith to the Word that 90% of your finances with God's blessing on it is superior to 100% without the blessing of God on it. This is essential. It's, it's the beginning and this is, this is the first step. So when you return the tithe and the first fruit of the tithe, it frees God to, to do His Word. It's what God established in His Word. This is not what Pastor Mike and I have created. This is the Word of God. And so when you submit to that and you're obedient to that, now God says, now I can put my blessing upon your finances. Okay? The second step for multiplication. What has been blessed has to be given away. And this is where we get a little bit of, of trouble. You mean, wait, what are you talking about? I gotta give more away. I, I gotta give what, what I have left, and I gotta I gotta give it away. And this is what God was teaching in this lesson is when they began to give away what was blessed, that's when it got multiplied. And that is the miracle of multiplication. God puts his blessing on it. You have a grateful heart. You give it away. And God causes it to multiply. Because tithing is a test of your heart. The Bible says that where your treasure is, that your heart will be there also. Now, God wants to, do you love God and don't tithe? I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but biblically, <laughs> no, you don't. Because where your treasure, if you love God, your treasure is going to be there. That's just the Word of God. That's not me. And so tithing is a test of your heart. Giving is a test of your gratitude. All right? This series is called The Blessed Life. This is not called The Blessed Money. It's not called The Blessed 401k. This is The Blessed Life. And so... When you submit to these principles, your whole life is blessed. These aren't just lessons. These are, these are ways of life and principles of life that God has established to allow Himself to put His blessing upon you. Okay, And so, I want to talk to you just a, just a little bit about these flowers that I'm sure some of you have, have noticed. Um, you know, for anybody, it was Valentine's Day last, last Sunday, right? Am I right with that? All right, Valentine's Day last Sunday. If you have a special somebody and they took care of you on Valentine's Day, will you go ahead and, and say thank you with a round of applause to Pastor Draylen and Kelsey? This is good. This ties in great. They celebrated five years of marriage yesterday. God is wonderful. And so we've got these flowers up here. And um, I read something about a year and a half ago, interesting about flowers, um, and, and I've been kind of sitting on there to try to figure out when, when would be a good time to share what I read, and today's the day. So, this is a red flower. Now, how many people know that light isn't just light, it's actually, it's actually a bunch of different colors in the light spectrum? Like if I were to shine light through a, a prism, they call it, it would separate the light and you'd be able to see the colors of a rainbow. In fact, that's what a rainbow is, is the light going through the raindrops and separating that thing and 
nah, reminding us all that God's never going to flood the earth with water. But those, that light spectrum is what these things feed on. They need soil, they need water, and they have to have light. And um, photosynthesis is what it's called, um, if I remember my science from elementary school correctly. And, and these flowers, this is a red rose. And the interesting thing about a red rose is that it actually absorbs and feeds on all of the colors of the light spectrum except for red. And if it were a, a dandelion, a yellow, it would feed on all of the colors of the light spectrum except for yellow. And so why in the world am I teaching you about flowers and colors? Is because this red rose is identified not by what it takes in. It's identified by what it gives out and gives back. We were at a a celebration service for Lance Pittman Jr. yesterday. And uh, I, I was listening to a lot of people share their stories and how Lance impacted their life. And, and it was just so painfully honest, uh, obvious. The measure of a life is not what you take in. The measure of a life is what you give out. And so... There are three roses up here, and I'd like to have my Aunt Brenda come on up here. She loves the spotlight, everybody. Come on, let's, let's put our hands together for her. I would like to say thank you to my Aunt Brenda, who witnessed to my mom and dad. And it's the only reason why I'm here, because of you and Uncle Bob what you poured out and not in, what you poured out of yourself and thus into others. I want to say thank you. And rose number two. I feel like, what's that show? The the, y'all are thinking of it, aren't you? The Bachelor. We got a rose ceremony. Who's the next one to get a rose? That's my wife. She said, no, thank you. She said, I'm already taken. All right. God love you. We started coming to church, and the very first place I went to was room six over here. And it was in a Sunday school room. And I've, I've never had a grandmother in church. And Sister Esther, you, you were that figure in my life. You taught me Sunday school from the first time I was here. And you poured into me. You gave of yourself and poured into somebody else. And so I'd like you to have this rose for what you gave out. And not what you took in. I gave a rose this morning to my mother and my youth pastor, Aunt Lorsey, Sister Dolores, to some of you. She's always Aunt Lorsey to me. 
Um, this one. Once I got married, we've grown together. There are times that you have carried me and poured into me. You're the best part of me. And I'd like you to have this. Come on up here. She loves the spotlight too, everyone. Can we give a, a hand for my wife? There is a, a, a principle here that I'm trying to teach you. Giving isn't just a moment. It, it's not just an action. It's who you are and it's a lifestyle you live. And you don't give to get. I'll, I'll share some things with you all in just a moment that this biblically, this works in a great way. But you have to have the right heart. You have to have the right motives. If you give in order that you would get, think of how, think of how proud God would be saying, you know, look, my people have really grasped the concept of getting. It's not the heart of this thing. And so it's, it's Luke 6, verse 37 and 38. And, and I'm coming to a close for the live stream. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and it shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. This, of course, is very familiar to the, to the Jewish culture because God established in the Old Testament that when you planted a field, you weren't supposed to gather everything from the corners. And if you were harvesting some of your crops and some fell to the ground, you've you got to leave it on the ground because there's going to be a poor person and a hungry person. You've got to be able to take care of them. So you're not supposed to pick that up anymore. And so you had these workers and laborers in the field and they carry baskets. And, and when that thing would get almost halfway full, it'd, it'd start to get heavy for them. And they'd take it back and they'd dump it into the pile and then they'd go back out with an empty basket because they didn't want to carry something so heavy all day long. But when you had somebody that was actually picking up the crops for their family and for food and, and to be able to survive... It was a different story. They weren't content with half full baskets. They would pick and pick and fill up that basket to the top. Then they would, they would make sure it had good measure. They would, they would press it down into the basket. They would give it a, they'd give it a shake. In fact, Jameson told me the analogy of this is a Slurpee. You know, when you're a kid and you're filling up that Slurpee. And uh, I hope he's watching the live stream. He told me I could use it. So he's, he's filling up, and, and it would just kind of run over as a kid. You want to make sure that thing is full. And this is what they did. And this is what God promised. Not just with finance. This is bigger than finance. This is a lifestyle. That if, isn't it amazing that the people who have the most love in their life are the people who love the most? Is because when they put love out, Love comes all the way back around to them, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. It's what David said, my cup runneth over. 
Everywhere I turn, I see the blessing of God. Everywhere I turn, I see the favor of God. Everything in my life, it's just an overflow. it's, It's filling up and piling over. That's what this Scripture is talking about. And it does apply to finances. That if you are a giver, pastor says it all the time, the greatest people on the planet are givers and forgivers. And so if we can grasp this concept of not just being submitted and obedient to the tithe and the first fruit, but living a lifestyle of giving, I promise you, it'll come back around to you, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. Does that make sense? All right. At this point, could we go ahead? I want to say thank you to everyone on the live stream that has been with us. We are so thankful that you chose to be with us here at First Church. We are honored that you have been with us. I'm going to go ahead and share some testimony things that are, are, are somewhat sensitive, so I, I pray that you would forgive me um, and, and, and not be too upset with me. But we're going to go ahead and stop the live stream right now. Just let me know when that is muted.